0: But first, speaking of taking measure, as I mentioned, Ontario voters headed to the ballot box today to decide who will govern the province for the next four years. Incumbent Doug Ford and the Progressive Conservatives had a very sizable lead in the polls heading in, in the opinion polls, uh, really leaving it to the NDP and Andrea Horvath and the Liberals and Stephen Del Duca to battle it out for the title of official opposition. Well, if this were a boxing match, and it's always a bit painful to use sporting analogies when it comes to things as important as democracy, but let's stick with it because if this was a boxing match, this was a early first round knockout. Global News at 11 minutes past nine Eastern, that's 11 minutes after the polls closed, had this to say. Wow, that was fast. Global News projecting that the progressive conservatives will form a majority government. They have or are expected to secure at least 63 seats in the legislature.
1: Ten minutes after the polls closed is when this call has been made.
0: Ten minutes. Okay, I had 11 on my clock, but if they want to say 10, it was 10. Whatever it was, it was over fast. Uh, Right now at latest count, again, up for grabs, 124 seats. You need 63 for majority. At last check, it was 80 seats for Doug Ford and the Conservatives. That's ahead of the 76 they won in 2018. Uh, 29 for the NDP, down from 40 in 2018. Only nine for the Liberals, just up from seven uh, in 2018, but still below the 12 they need for official party status. And uh, the Green Party One Mike Schreiner holding on to his seat in Guelph. Uh, They were looking to add to that as well. So what does this all tell us other than that that the polls were right about who was going to win? Well, to break it all down, I'm joined by Christine de Clercy. She's an Associate Professor of Political Science at Western University in London, Ontario. Thanks so much for your time tonight.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you, Ben.
0: Well, you know, we often blame the polls for being wrong, at least in terms of who was going to win. This one seems to have gotten it right. In fact, if anything, they might have Underpredicted how well Doug Ford was going to do, at least according to what we know so far.
1: I agree. It's been a very good night for um, Mr. Ford's campaign strategy team, and um, yeah, the the there is sometimes uh, a circumstance where uh, the polls overestimate the seat count, but that is not the case tonight. <laughs>
0: what does it say then about uh, about the campaign that he ran because in many ways he ran the typical frontrunner campaign which is just don't make any mistakes don't say anything that's going to ch- turn a tide that seems to be comfortable and it was kind of a sleepy campaign it seemed well
1: well it's it, it's true mr ford was quite cautious you know he he carefully managed his media appearances he carefully managed his campaign stops but um the this sort of um, uh, hides a reality, which is that his campaign team very carefully um, set out uh, a strategy to to not only hold the seats that they had, but pick up up some seats. And you know, the, we're still waiting for all the all the results to shake out, but. For example, it looks like um, Mr. Ford picked up uh, a riding called Wind- Windsor-Tecumseh, which mm-hmm. really traditionally is a New Democratic Party riding. So, um, you know, it's true he was a front runner and sort of trying to stay above the campaign, the fray of the campaign. But I think also his team clearly had objectives that they, they that they went out and went after.
0: Yeah, where did he win this, do you think? What was the message that he was delivering, and why was it resonating? It resonated even more this time than it did back in 2018, it appears.
1: I think there are several factors that will have to be examined, you know, as in in, in the weeks after, after the election, once we have uh, some data and a little bit more insight into who won and where and by how much, but um, there are a couple of, of key things to keep in mind. Um, first, this this still uh, is is an election that happened in a pandemic, and you know across the federation, there have been several provinces. BC is one of them that had to go to the polls in the middle of a pandemic, and that produces different kinds of challenges. Like in this election, for example, there were uh, well over 800 fewer polls. Uh, in which to cast one's vote because of the pandemic, for example. So the point is that the pandemic in and of itself certainly affected this this election in different ways. Um, second, I think the um, dynamic between Mr. Ford and Ms. Horvath in terms of competing for the Labour vote is a very interesting aspect of this campaign. Going back to what I just said about windsor Tecumseh. So certainly mm-hmm. Mr. Ford's capacity to, to eat into um, the, the labor vote in this election is important.
0: Yeah, certainly. I mean, we know the NDP still had support from the big public sector unions, but a lot of the other unions were leaning over towards Doug Ford, which might have made a difference. Certainly, when I was uh, covering election campaigns, say with Jack Layton, we used to spend a lot of time in Windsor to come see, or at least in that what was that provincial riding uh, encompassing a larger federal riding. Speaking of the big battle for second place, it didn't turn into much of a battle at all. It's been a pretty dismal night. I mean, the popular vote for the Liberals isn't too, too bad, but it's been a pretty dismal night for the Liberal Party, and Stephen Del Duca has lost lost his seat again. Um, he didn't win it last time. He didn't win it again tonight. So a lot of soul searching going on for the party that was in power for uh, 16 years.
1: That's right. It, it's certainly a, a tough night for Liberal partisans here in Ontario. At the same time, I think, um, you know, the party did pick up a few, a few seats, uh, at least at this point in time, it seems like. And um, their performance tonight underscores how badly um, the party was cast to the margins in 2018. So, um, you know, for the Liberals, I guess the the downside is there are once again the third party. There will not be the official opposition going forward. The upside is there has been some slow... Uh, <laughs> Uh, expensive uh, improvement in their standing, and certainly they're they're looking at four more years uh, at least of, of rebuilding in the future.
0: Yeah, I mean, they won't get official party status unless they win 12 seats, and they're only at nine now. Ironically, though, they have a very, very tiny advantage in overall votes over the NDP, who have 20 more seats than them. How about for the NDP tonight? I know Andrea Horvath, this was her fourth election. They did well in the last time. They were looking to build on their 40 seats. It looks like tonight they might win 30, maybe 31. Um, Obviously, her future's in doubt, too.
1: Yeah, I, I, I guess you could look at it two ways. You could look at it as, as um, and in line with what I was just saying about his, her contestation with Mr. Ford, that she lost um, eight valuable unions uh, to Mr. Ford. Or you could look at it uh, and appreciate the fact that she has uh, secured um, a, 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 a landmark victory. She has returned the New Democratic Uh, Party to the official opposition benches and official opposition status twice in a row. Um, So certainly her party has has gains that have been made tonight, and uh, I'm not necessarily sure that her political future is, is over. I think in many regards, she fought a very smart and strategic campaign, and she's going back to Queen's Park as the leader of the official opposition, which in Ontario, that's not normally the position that the NDP leader holds,
0: No, certainly, and and certainly the efficiency of their vote is 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 remarkable because they look like they're going to take about thirty seats with the same number of overall votes, same percentage of the popular vote as the liberals themselves. Uh, We'll take a quick break when we come back with Christine Christine De Clercq. We'll talk a bit more about uh, what what this all says about uh, the future. You know, certainly the progressive vote not being able to unite is interesting uh, because they did again. Liberals and the NDP between them have more votes than the progressive conservatives do, but uh, they fought throughout this election. And also just what this might mean for other conservative leaders across the country who are looking at this, wondering what Doug Ford's magic formula was, because he's heading to a big win tonight. That's next. We have to work together to make sure this province is climate
1: ready, to make sure that our infrastructure can withstand the storms we've experienced this past month and to make sure that our economy is ready to be successful in the emerging markets of the new climate economy. Let's work together
0: there is Green leader Mike Schreiner. He won his seat in Guelph today. He was looking to add a few more uh, colleagues uh, to the to sit with him. Uh, it hasn't happened yet. I'm speaking with Christine uh, DeClercy of uh, Western University and we're talking about the election results in Ontario tonight. Really not a surprise. Uh, Doug Ford, the Progressive Conservatives with a big win. It looks like they're on their way to at least 80 seats at this point, which is better than the 76 they had in 2018. The NDP at 29, the Liberals at 9, a tough night for them. Their leader, Stephen Del Duca, losing his seat again for the second straight election and the greens, as you he heard there, just one seat. That is Mike Schreiner's. He won that back in 2018. Um, any, any less, I mean, the greens, I thought tonight they might do a bit better. He had a good debate, Mike Schreiner, but it doesn't look like it's translated to votes.
1: Uh, well, yes, Mr. Schreiner had a, a very good performance in the debate. And I think as well, you know, his, his uh, four rookie years in the legislature, he demonstrated that he's a very serious, affable politician. He made good connections across the aisles. Um, and yes, it is true that the, the Greens uh, didn't, uh, have not yet picked up another seat beside Mr. Shiner's. But it looks like they might um, have some increase in their vote share. And also, I mean, a big gain, I, I believe, in this election was that the Greens under Shriner put together a platform that moves the Green Party beyond its sort of normal position as a, as a single issue or a, a single subject party. And the party platform really, I thought, was quite well crafted to appeal to urban and suburban and rural voters so, you know, he may yet in the future gain, uh, reap the gains of some of the foundational work he's done with his party in this election.
0: Yeah, not unlike we saw with the, the Greens here in British Columbia as well. Um, so if I'm a conservative uh, politician in another province, for instance, a premier who's just had to resign in Alberta, or I'm running for the leadership of the federal conservative party, and I look, look over at what Doug Ford's done in Ontario tonight, what lessons am I taking away from this, if any?
1: Well, I think Mr. Ford has shown that populism as a political force in Canada remains uh, a, a useful tool for politicians. Mr. Ford has, um, in this campaign, I think, embraced populism. His government in the last year has pushed through the House several important pieces of legislation deliberately designed for um the betterment of some of the lives of working people uh so there's a lesson here definitely for conservative politicians both federally and provincially that uh you know espousing populism as an ideology um at least in ontario has worked pretty well
0: but in this case i also noticed that doug ford didn't make uh, ottawa a punching bag in fact um The prime minister appeared at an event with him right before the election. So it's sort of a populism without sort of burn it all down uh, connotations as well.
1: Uh, well, that's true. Yet Mr. Ford, it must be remembered, you know, earmarked $30 million uh, to fight the federal government on the carbon tax. And he went all the way to the Supreme Court. True. So while, while relations right now are cordial, I don't know that they will necessarily endure uh, in, in that way going forward.
0: So is this, I mean, is this really Doug Ford's win overall? I mean, is this more Doug Ford's win the, than the progressive conservatives win? Or in many ways, is it just 16 years of liberal rule? They're not coming back. The NDP can't win. And the de facto winners are the conservatives.
1: I think it's a combination of factors. First, um, you have to give credit to Mr. Ford. You know, he he sort of fell into the provincial party leadership almost by accident, uh, and he had a very challenging first four years, you know, COVID, COVID would challenge any leader. Um, by the same token, there are other factors affecting this election, like, you know, again, COVID and its effect on campaigning and turnout. Early reports are that turnout is going to be pr- pretty low, it looks like. I haven't seen any official figures, and, and that inevitably affects the vote. Plus, I think, um, you know, the Liberal Party's time in the wilderness is not yet over. And that matters in Ontario, which historically alternates between the Conservatives and the Liberal Party.
0: Well, Christine Clercy, thank you so much. I guess we, we thought this was going to be the outcome and this is what the outcome was. So thanks so much for explaining why it shook down the way it shook down. I appreciate it.
1: It was very nice speaking with you.